Hello and welcome to How About Them Huskers. My name is Will Nota Francesco, and we are back this week, and I am joined, as always, by my grandpa, Husker Dan from Husker Max in the city of Omaha, uh, in beautiful Omaha, I should say. Uh, it is snowing there this week, is it, Grandpa? We had snow on, uh, actually, we woke up to, well, let's see, it was the 31st, at, I think the night of the 31st, it, it snowed. Yeah, it just covered the grass and the roofs, and that was about it. Not, nothing adhered to the pavement, thank goodness. That's good, yeah, yeah. Um, but, yeah, so we're back. This week, sorry about not being and not releasing one last week. Uh, Grandpa was hacking up a storm and I wasn't feeling uh, super great as well. Uh, but so we get Grandpa's normal voice back today. We get my normal voice back. Uh, well, not my normal. I guess I always had my voice. But um, and then, yeah, so and then final four. I mean, it's been two weeks. Mark Madness goes fast. Um, I haven't listened. I didn't listen back to the podcast before, from two weeks ago before this to check our picks. But my guess is that we went like over 12 <laughs> or whatever. Uh, <laughs> I think I think we got some of them right. I forget. But I I mean, March Magic has just been crazy. I don't think we picked St. Peter's to go to the Elite Eight. No. Um, but no, yeah, we no, have no no one did uh, besides those people that went to St. Peter's and got everything else in their bracket wrong. because They just picked all the low seeds. But um, yeah, the uh, so the final four set we have. Uh, I think it's today at like four. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, yeah. I'm going to be roughing a soccer game, so I won't be able to watch the beginning of it. But um, Duke and North Carolina play at 4.09 uh, Eastern time, I think. Uh, I could be wrong in saying that. I didn't yeah. check into that. And then Villanova and Kansas play today as well. Right. Um, who, who, who are you? Who do you like in those two games, Grandpa? Well, again, I think anybody listening to this, whatever I say, just pick me up. <laughs> because, yes, I'm – Terrible. I just, <laughs> I'm just eliminated so you know, on the first day. At, you know, the game started at 11 o'clock, 11 15. I'm my. <laughs> no. I, here, here's what I think. Um, and again, um, you know, grain of salt. Uh, I look for Kansas, the Kansas Nova game. I'll, I'll be rooting for Nova because they're the, they're in the big East. And so is Creighton. And that's really the, the, basketball program unfortunately in the in the state of nebraska but i i think uh nova just lost one of the key players like in the last almost the last yeah of, of yeah their, justin well, justin Moore towards the there so they villanova has three guards i think that are not sorry yeah they have three th- their three guards are kind of their central like that's what they use to attack um and on offense and on defense too, and win games. I think they're all seniors. Like I, I, I don't think that's right, but um, so it's the two I can think of. I forget who the third one is. Uh, it's Justin Moore, who's that's who you're talking about, Grandpa. Right. He just he tore his Achilles against Houston to get into the wow. final four. Well, so he's not going to be able to play, which that stinks because you like give everything to make the final four and then you can't play in the final four game. Um, but then Connor, uh, sorry, Colin Gillespie is the uh, other guard that I can think of off the top of my head that he's just oh, been yeah. everywhere for oh, Villanova this season. Player. Yeah. He, he was on their last um, national championship team. Um, so yeah, it, I think that'll be interesting, but uh, go ahead, Grandpa. I kind of cut no, you off. I, I like, I like Kansas over Nova. Uh, I, when I saw Kansas and Creighton play, I thought that, that, uh, that wasn't maybe not a vintage Kansas team because, yeah, it was it lost two of their star players and actually a third one early in the season, and uh, and they hung with them. Uh, that was a that was a one possession game in in the last minute, <clears throat> but I was wrong. I think Kansas has uh, they think the real Kansas has shown up, and I I picked yeah. Kansas to edge Nova, and I I think everybody wants uh, Duke to win in the uh, in the evening game uh, playing North Carolina. I watched the last. Uh, home game for uh for uh mike shashevsky and yeah and kind of white in there at duke and B. yeah I, I don't think that's going to happen twice i think uh, i think duke pulls this one out and i think duke and kansas and i think i'm going to spoil um uh mike shashevsky's uh uh send off i think kansas beats duke and they on monday night yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm, I actually, I'm going to go opposite on both your picks for the final four. So we can't get anything wrong. Uh, one of us <laughs> is going to be right. <laughs> uh, but so I think, I mean, this Villanova team, even without Justin Moore, I think that Colin Gillespie can do everything that's needed for Villanova. It will be close. 
Um, it just comes down to Kansas's, uh, like Ochai Abachi is Kansas's forward, I believe. Um, he is, he was a wooden award finalist. They haven't announced that yet. Um, my guess is it won't be him. It probably will be Oscar Shibuya for Kentucky, but, um, the, I, Remy, Remy Martin also for Kansas is another, is one of Kansas's guards and he has been really explosive in the tournament thus far. If Villanova, if Villanova is a really good defensive team, Jay Wright has done a really good job, uh, over these past five, six years with their defense, they're always a good defensive team. Um, so if they can shut down Remy Martin, who this, this Kansas offense kind of runs through Remy Martin, then I think that Villanova will be able to pull this out and North care. And then on the other game, uh, North Carolina, just watching them, I watched Duke play, uh, Michigan state and Duke kind of looked shaky in that game. I watched Duke play, uh, who did they, who did they play last? They played Michigan state last, correct. To get into the, uh, yeah. Um, so that, that game was, uh, close. And then, uh, North Carolina just came in blue St. Peter's out of the water. I get a St. Peter's, but that St. Peter's team was a really good defensive team and North Carolina just found ways to score. Uh, Baycott was playing really, really well. I think he needs to tone out down his temper a little bit. He, his temper seems to flare up a little bit. Um, but maybe that's what you want to rivalry game in the final four. Um, but I'm taking North Carolina on that one. I think that they're going to want it more than Duke does. Um, I, I mean, I get, I get that Duke's playing for coach K and it's finally year. They want to get him to a national championship game. But I think from what I've seen from this tournament thus far, and I mean, that's really all you kind of need to look at is the tournament because that's recent form and that's what's going to carry over. So North Carolina is just, been scrappier and a better defensive team than Duke, I believe, uh, in these past two or three games. So I think uh, North Carolina wins that. And then uh, so then that would be North Carolina Villanova for my championship game. And I think that um, I don't know if I doubt Justin, Justin Moore probably won't be back. will be done for the rest of the tournament, which is unfortunate uh, for him. But um, I think I think UNC wins the national championship uh, because they're able to um, play just as good a defense as Villanova. Kansas is not. That's why I'm, that's part of the reason why I'm picking Villanova over Kansas because Kansas's defense isn't as solid. It's good because they're in the final four, obviously, but it's not as solid as Villanova's. And I think that UNC uh, can beat this Villanova team without Justin Moore with Justin Moore. That's a little bit different of a story, but I think that um, Justin, Justin Moore kind of uh, is he, you need another, um, you need another, uh, I guess, chess reference was weird. I don't like another queen on the board to kill. Yeah. Um, but so the, he, if he's not there, I don't think Colin Gillespie can do it all by himself. So I got UNC winning, but again, as you said, my bracket's <laughs> completely toast. So this is just going off the final four. We have, I did not pick any of these teams to be in the final four, uh, even though it's mostly ones and two seeds. So, uh, and besides yeah. UNC is a seed, but, um, yeah. And we have two uh, brief uh, uh, Husker news. We, since we didn't do a, a, a podcast last week, uh, Xavier yeah. Bates is no longer on the team. We, we can speculate on why that happened. Uh, it's unfortunate, I think. I, yeah. I always like to have the local kids yeah. as many as we can get because we've been losing quite a few of them. Uh, so I, I hate to see that. And then the Husker baseball team beat Ohio State. Not a great Ohio State team, yeah. that means, but – they still found a way to win on the road, and anytime you can win on the road is uh, is, uh, is is yeah. well done. Mm-hmm. And are they playing again tonight? Do you know? Uh, yeah, they played the well. Yeah, Mike could probably know that better than I. But uh, they're playing again today. I'm not sure what time. Then they play Sunday, I believe. So okay, cool. Anyhow, Let's, yeah, they're playing. They're playing at two o five against uh, okay. Ohio State. So yeah. So we have, uh, you know, we've, we've had some first here. We had Johnny Rogers, who was our first um, Heisman Trophy winner guest. That was great. Yeah. We had, um, we had um, Jordan Westerkamp, who was uh, great. First guest. <laughs> yeah, that was the first one. That was pretty yeah. good. Tom Banderas. We had uh, David Max, who was the, uh, you know, he didn't play football, obviously, but, uh, but developed uh, uh, Husker Max and Huskerpedia earlier. Yep. And today we have our another first, we have our first sports writer 
uh, on uh, as a guest today, and, uh, and his name is Mike Babcock, and he's he's I think he's written I think five or six books. I don't know if there if I missed any, but I have I was reading the one about Devaney last night, just kind of going you know going over it, and uh, what a great book that is. But uh, but uh, our our guest is Mike Babcock. He used to be with the uh, Lincoln Journal Star, I think, for seventeen years, and then was with Huskers Illustrated, and then. And I used to subscribe to that. And then when I found out that Mike was moving to Hale Varsity, <clears throat> then I said, nah, I'm, I'm going with Hale Varsity. And, uh, and that's a great magazine. It's, it's one that you keep out on your coffee table uh, and, uh, and refer to. I, I read, I don't, I probably read every column that's in there um, uh, or just about. So, uh, and then uh, Mike will be happy to know that, uh, that I got you a, a subscription to yeah. magazine. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, it's like I, you could talk as cheap, but you know. Anyhow, welcome yeah. to uh, our podcast, Mike Babcock of Hale Varsity. Good to see you. How are you doing today? Hey, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. You get to be my age, you take every day. <laughs> <laughs> um, awesome. Well, Mike, thanks. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, it's a, it's a lot of fun to have a fellow. Uh, well, I guess I journalist i guess i guess that's more for grandpa but uh because i'm i haven't written any columns uh, as far as i'm aware of but um i mean i guess that's i guess we kind of have different mediums of uh because you 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 write uh obviously for hell varsity as grandpa was talking about and then we kind of talk about the same stuff just in a podcast format so um yeah and so i was i was just wondering what what made you decide you that you wanted to go into journalism in the first place um because like for like, I'm in, I'm a sophomore in high school. And so starting to think about what I want to do in college, uh, major wise. And every time you hear communications or business, that's like, Oh, the football players take that, the athletes that are going to get drafted, take those things. What drew you to journalism, um, as a, as a young man? Uh, I tell you, um, well, it, it's, it's kind of a convoluted path that I went to. I, I think I always wanted to be a sports writer, um, but I don't know, you know, at the time, I didn't know exactly how you did that because I didn't, I don't think sports writer, to me, sports writers are more like entertainment writers than they are uh, serious journalists. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I, uh, I, my undergraduate degree was in English and, uh, I did, uh, when I was sophomore at the university, I took a journalism class. Uh, my family moved to California, immediately become a non-resident in Nebraska. So I moved out there. I finished my degree at uh, Chico State College and I took a couple of journalism courses there. But um, I, I just didn't really see, because I had transferred a couple of times because I started at York College the first year. I thought I was a basketball player. Um, and, and so I, I had all these hours in English and it's like, I, I just don't know how I can be a sports writer. So I, I uh, completed my master's degree at the university uh, in English. And I was on a, a program where um, your, your degree classes were paid for. If you uh, went on and taught in a, junior, in a junior college for, I think it was three, or, three years or five years or whatever. Um, so I got under this uh, fellowship program and I got a job teaching at a community college in Champaign, Illinois, Parkland Community College. And about three years into that job, um, playing cards one Friday night and I was talking about sports journalism. Somebody said, why don't you just call the, one of the newspapers here in town and see if they've got any part-time positions. So I, that same night I called uh, the Courier uh, newspaper in Urbana. I'm sorry, I'm kind of rambling here, but um, no, you're and, fine. Uh, the sports desk editor said, uh, "Well, yeah, can you uh, take shorthand?" I go, "No." Can you type? <laughs> I go, "No." Did you know anything about sports? <laughs> I said, "Yeah." <laughs> okay, um, come in next Friday night, and we'll have you take scores. Like what you would do is a high school game in the area. They'd call in the score. They'd give you some details. And then when you had time, when you got a break, you'd write a three or four paragraph 
uh, summation of the of the game wow. paper. And I did that for one football season. And they let me write a couple of things about Parkland College, um, which is what I thought I would do when I got there. And then uh, my second year, they said, hey, would you be interested in covering the high school beat? Uh, one of the schools, Champaign Central. And uh, yeah, okay. So I worked, I think four years I covered Champaign Central. And I always said during that time, I was at more athletic events than any of the students. <laughs> I went everywhere, home games, away games, football, basketball, even some baseball games. I went on the road, volleyball. Um, I covered all those things for Champaign Central. And uh, I worked with a guy at the Courier. Uh, his name was Lou Engel. He was from, I believe he was from Hebron, Nebraska. And he was the high school uh, sports editor, the prep sports editor. And he told me one day, he said, you know, the Lincoln Journal Star has an opening. I'm going to apply for it. Why don't you apply for it? So I thought about it. I applied for it. Didn't really know what I was applying for, but uh, knew that there was a job because Lou had told me that. And towards the end of the summer uh, in 1978, I get a get a call from the Journal and Star, Virgil Parker, sports editor. He said, would I come up for an interview? Um, and they had reimbursed me for the travel expenses, which they never did. And uh, so Virgil interviewed me, said, well, we'll get back in touch with you. And was shortly thereafter, he called up and said, well, if you can get up here um, by August 7th, I, I'm, I remember that date because I looked it up, um, you know, you've got a job. So I went up there. They told me I was their first choice. I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> the, the first choice had been someone from Florida, I believe, had come up for two weeks, hated it and took off. So they had this opening. So they told me I was their first choice. And my first day on the job, we went to Kansas City for what was then Big Eight Media Days. And then they had a Skyriders tour that followed that. So my first day on the job, I was in Kansas City. I went to Kansas City and, and was part of the media day. So it was just all kind of a haphazard type thing. And as Dan said, I worked at the Journal Star for 17 years. It was the best job when I left there. I'm not sure exactly. I always thought, you know, I'll do this. I taught for seven years in the community college. I, I thought, I'm not going to do this forever. I'm always going to move on. I'm going to do something else. Same way with sports running. I was there 17 years. And I thought, well, it's time to move on, you know, because the papers were merging and they were offering buyouts. And I thought, if I get the buyout, great. If I don't get the buyout, I still got the best job I could ask for. So I put in for the buyout. I got it. I don't know whether I thought I was going to be John Grisham or what I was going to be. Um, <laughs> but I ended up doing basically the same thing that I had done before, only as a freelancer with Huskers Illustrated. And then, you know, uh, it came a point at which Aaron Babcock, and we're not related, um, decided that he wanted to start up Hale Varsity Magazine. And he said, I I'll do it if you're willing to come along with me and and help, and that's how I got involved with uh, Hale Varsity from the beginning. So that's a kind of a rambling story. It was just, it was basically accidental. I mean, it was the same way with the program that I got on in graduate school. You know, they, mm -hmm. I got on there because some guy from Louisiana had had the 10th fellowship and he, he came up there and he hated it and he left and they had one open. <laughs> and I got, I caught that. So, Wow. Just a series of events like that um, brought me into it. But it, I always wanted to be that. Mm -hmm. And I thought if I wasn't going to be that, I was going to be a film critic. But I ended up being an English teacher. So what was the first uh, first thing that you wrote that you got paid for? Um, the first thing that I wrote that I got paid for was probably uh, a three-paragraph uh recap of uh, a high school football game in uh oh gosh it would have been about 1975 i suppose 74 somewhere in there um because i was doing these part-time things you know just writing up these little capsules on most of the uh 
I was by far the the oldest. I wasn't that old, but I was by far the oldest in the in the room that took those scores because they were all college students that were doing it. Um, but I thought that was cool. And then um, you know I started covering Champagne Central, and so it was like a, a regular kind of a deal. I mean, I got to know those coaches, and actually when I left to take the job. Uh, in, uh, at, at the Journal and Star, we had a little going away party, and some of the coaches from Champagne Central showed up at the, wow. at the going away party. And one of them gave that's me crazy, a, you know, or whatever. And um, so I was really involved in coverage of of Central, and uh, you know the uh, the football coach Tommy Stewart was a Hall of Fame coach in uh, Illinois, and yeah, he was a he was a great person. I used to. Uh, get my stories for Sunday's paper, like a recap um, on Saturday mornings. He always did his teams, his, he did his own team's laundry. And I met him at the laundromat. And I <laughs> got my interview for my Sunday story. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah, that was a that was an interesting thing. So that's <laughs> where I got my start. But you know, I was a Husker. I grew up in Nebraska. I well, this is unbelievable. You know, this opportunity is uh, incredible. Yeah, yeah. And so growing up in Nebraska and then working around Nebraska football for so long, what is like we've we've asked all of our guests on the uh, podcast this question. Um, like what was the like legacy of Nebraska football in like your family? Like you passing it down to your kids, uh, stuff like that. That's why grandpa and I started this podcast because um, I, I mean, we've told this story multiple times on the podcast, but I'm like two watching Nebraska football uh, in grandpa's lap, always asking what happened, grandpa. Uh, and I don't know what's going on. Uh, he's explaining everything to me. Uh, so what is that kind of like what you're doing with your grandkids, like giving them Nebraska gear, all that stuff. Yeah, but you know they live in uh, Olathe, Kansas, so there's kind of a Jayhawk connection there too. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they, there's there's some uh, there's some Nebraska connection there, and you know I had the Nebraska connection because my uncle, one of my uncles, Gib, was the equipment manager at the university from 1965 to 1977. And before that, uh, he worked with Bill Shepard on the grounds crew. He was one of Bill's uh, associates there. And then um, he did those things after he retired. He was basically a farmer up around North Loop, Scotia. And then he um, retired from farming and he ran the uh, Western Auto store in Ord, Nebraska for a few years. And then he, then he came down to the university. So uh, my sophomore year, my first semester uh, at the university, I, I lived with my uncle Gibb. Uh, yeah, the house just was basically across the tracks um, to the uh, to the north of the stadium. Wow. You can't get through there now. There's buildings and everything, but it yeah. used to be just train tracks. And I, so I just walked across there from his house. And um, so I had I had a connection to the program in that sense. I remember I remember helping him uh, put stripes on helmets before the. Uh, uh, the season, I guess it would have been the 66 season. Wow. Uh, That's crazy. And, uh, so I got, I heard a lot about Husker football from my, from my uncle and, and my parents were, you know, they took me to my first game, uh, in, I think 1956, I think it was band day, Kansas state. And then I saw a couple after that, but, uh, I didn't get to see many. If they weren't on TV, I didn't get to see very many games growing up. Um, yeah. Mike, we, uh, uh, you and I have talked through the years, and and uh, you're you're my guru for the history of uh, of Husker football. I was watching a, a special on, uh, I think, 150 years of college football, and they had a. You probably seen this too, but they were talking about. Uh, uh, rules and things that influence the game of college football, the forward pass, you know, that goes back. Uh, I don't know when that was platoon football, uh, freshman eligibility, the overtime rule, the BCS, as we knew it, uh, the marketing of football games. We, we see you go down to any, any uh, major 
college football program and, and the scoreboard is used to be they put the basics up there, you know, what the score was. And now it's, it's a video arcade almost. It's, uh, it's fireworks and uh, music and, and all this kind of stuff. Um, I, you know, now we have a, thank goodness, we have a college football playoff system. At least there's some, at the end of the season, I think it's, we've taken out most of the, uh, the question marks. I think that we do end up with, uh, I think, a reasonably good, chance of having the best college football team uh, uh, win the national championship. Where would you put, with all those developments of, uh, of college football, uh, the, the two things that have just landed on the game, and I believe it has, has, has affected it um, in ways that we don't even know, but NIL, which is name, image, and likeness, and then, then the transfer portal. Where would you put rate that in terms of their ability to – to really affect or change uh, the game of college football? You know, I don't, I don't know if we've really seen what is going to happen, Dan. I think we're still in the process of trying to sort this out. I mean, the transfer portal has basically turned this thing into a free agent market. Yep. You know, and that, that's kind of the term that the coaches have used, uh, talking about that. You look for free agents, and it makes recruiting more difficult because you don't – when you uh, – get an athlete, student athlete to commit, um, chances are, uh, well, I'll give you an example, uh, Logan Smothers. Uh, yeah. You know, last year we heard, uh, well, you know, Logan's number two behind Adrian Martinez. And when Adrian uh, finishes up, you know, Logan's looks like he's going to have the edge. He's going to be the guy. And then uh, Adrian leaves, uh, transfers to Kansas State. And uh, oh, well, uh, you know, we brought in uh, uh, Casey Thompson and, and uh, Chubba Purdy. And uh, now where does Logan Smothers fit into this? Or uh, Heinrich Harburg, yep. uh, Richard Torres, the guy that is in the recruiting class now. Yep. So how, how do you, what do you say to people when you recruit them and then bring them in and it's like, um, I mean, this is an overstretch, but there was a, and I can't remember his name. That's a function of age, but uh, Oklahoma City basketball coach, long time ago, high uh, Oklahoma City University. Uh, this guy was Iba? a legendary Iba? because he had Iba. these crazy comments. That he always made. Iba. No, he was. He was. Uh, no, this guy was wasn't Iba. Um, anyway, the point. We lost him. He had a he had a quote. Uh, one of his famous quotes was, "He hated having to bring recruit. I liked you, but I don't." You know that he was that he was going to have to replace him, and now it's a reality in the sense that you bring in a recruit, you convince him that this is where that you're going to be um, looked after and so forth, and then you start going into the transfer portal and looking for guys to, that are going to replace you, and uh, so. I don't know if we know what that's going to mean. And I don't know if we know what the NIL thing is going to mean, because um, does it just become a question of throwing money out there? And if you can, yeah, now, theoretically, you're not supposed to, you know, tell somebody that uh, we're going to give you this amount of money. If you come here, we'll guarantee it or whatever, but it's going to, it's going to come to that. I mean, that's, that's basically what it is. So uh, the teams that have the uh, resources are going to pull in the best players, which is ironic because I can remember a time, a very small thing, where the NCAA ruled that media guides could only be so big. Right, right, right. Because some schools couldn't afford to do it. Or in baseball right now. Um, Nebraska has the ability to do replays and in non-conference games in Lincoln, they've done replays, but it's, it's not going to go into effect next until next year. I think in the big 10 mandatory, because there are a couple schools that can't, that don't have the resources to do it, Wow! Um, but they're going to have to. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just, it's just like, it's that kind of a thing on a much larger level. You know, how are you going to control this NIL thing? 
Right. I don't know. And how do you maintain team, the team concept when one guy is over there making $150,000 a year and another guy is, is in the starting lineup and he's making 50 bucks or whatever, or he's not making anything. <laughs> um, how do you maintain that team mentality? Um, that uh, cohesion uh, that, uh, that could be uh, fractured by, I, th I think, disparity in who's getting what. Well, it's, it's a Pandora's box. I, you know, part of me, and you, you Mike and I have been around uh, a long time, um, Part of me, I, I, I want to get have the players get paid something because uh, there, was a, there was a basketball player here in Omaha and he had to leave after his freshman year. Uh, this, what, what I had heard is that uh, uh, his family was in deep financial uh, disarray. So he had to leave school. He's a kid who should have stayed and played another a year or two probably would have made his lot better. But so I see that the NIL had that been in place because this has been a few years ago. Um, probably um, he would still have played, maybe finished out his career, um, you know, playing a game that he loves. So, yeah, it, but it, it's 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 the wild, wild west. I think that's yeah, that's, that's what it is. Well, yeah. I'm, and I'm I'm with you, Dan. I mean, I, I want this. I'm almost always on the side of the student athlete. I mean, yeah. that's. You know, coaches make a lot of money. Yep. Uh, off yeah. guys, and I think the student athlete needs to get something more. But by the same token, I look at it. Okay, again, NIL. If you're getting one hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars or whatever uh, for NIL, um, why do you get a scholarship? Can't you use? You could use that scholarship for somebody else on the team that really needs it, or to the student population in general. Yep. Um, that money could go. I, you know, that's another area that I think you have to sort out and put some because you know how much each player is getting. That's part of the part of the deal is you have to divulge that. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm for the student athlete. I, I I'm on their side, but I also think that there has to be some some equity there in terms of who gets what if one guy is bringing in all this money, why does he have to have a scholarship? Um, that seems like that's yeah. 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 Um, and keeping me a little bit current. I want to talk about Nebraska basketball with you a little bit. So Nebraska grandpa and I have been kind of confused about that. Nebraska is getting these great recruiting classes in basketball, but then the performance is not, great like they they kind of figured out towards the end of the last season but or towards the end of this past season in the big 10 like leading up to the big 10 tournament and then they just lose it in the second half against northwestern why why do you think that's happening well well don't you think like okay let's look at it down the stretch when they they had that stretch there where they were playing what they won three or four in a row and, yeah and they really played well and if, if you watch those games they passed the ball when they took threes. They were open threes. They didn't just crank them up there. They passed the ball and they got the open threes. They did the things that they needed to win. It was a it was a team effort. And I saw that during the regular season. I saw that often, but I never saw it for 40 minutes. You know, yeah. there always seemed to be a stretch where everything just fell apart and it was one-on-one -on -one and, and uh, you weren't taking wise three-point shots and you weren't. Uh, rebounding the way you needed to, and it's it's tough because they were over undersized for the most part. Yeah, uh, but uh, I think the same thing happened in the in the tournament. I mean, I think they played well, and then they went back to what had been the problem through most of the season. And I really think that it, it, that's part of the thing is that the recruiting classes have included transfers, and when when you bring in transfers, it's difficult to immediately make that kind of team cohesion that you need to have because these guys are all coming from other schools. And the reason they're coming is because probably they didn't get to do as much as they wanted to at the other school. So they're coming here for a personal reason. They're not coming here for a team concept. And it takes a while to build that concept if you can. Um, I think that's the difficult part of it is um, cohesion and doing what 
what needs to be done to win games, which is pass, move the ball, pass the ball. Um, you watch these teams in the playoffs. I was watching the, the, the women's tournament last night. The way they passed the ball around before people attempted three-point shots was, I thought, reflective of how you're successful. You know, you have certain players that can really score, but the important thing is you got to pass that ball, get an opportunity, and then take advantage of it rather than just come down and play one-on-one and dribble around and shoot and take off for the other end. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mike, another question. I, we, we're running out of time here, but I, 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 I want to find out what your thoughts are. As you know, Scott Frost replaced four offensive uh, assistants in the offseason and had to replace, well, uh, special teams guy in Bill Bush. But what do you think, and I know this is probably way too early to, to be able to tell, but Right now, what do you think that the, uh, the what effect that these new assistants are going to have on the one loss record come this fall? Well, you look at well, I, I, I go back kind of what I said about the basketball team. First thing is you have to, there is some cohesion that you have to build with the new coaches coming in, and then they have to build that with the players. Um, and, you know, that's taking place this spring. And, it, you know, they, they were already making connections when they got here. Um, it's difficult for me to say exactly what the influence is going to be because, you know, we know how it is. It happens every spring. Um, optimism is you can be as good as you want to be in the spring because there's no right. game to prove that you're not. Yep. Yeah, I think most places are that way. Now, you bring in assistant coaches. I thought it was unusual. Um, and no great insight here that he fired uh, four offensive assistants before the season was even two games remaining in the season, and he right. dumped those guys. Um, I thought that was unusual. Um, I was a big Ryan Held guy. I thought I thought he was yeah. a, instrumental in recruiting. Um, hated to see him go. Uh, obviously, he covered uh, Greg Austin. Probably knew him a little better. Um, it's just difficult to make those kinds of changes, I think. And um, are the new assistants going to be the answer? I don't know. Mickey Joseph, I think, is, a, is, a, is for real. I mean, he's a hard-nosed guy. Um, he's coming in there, I think, not only with the, with the players, but with the assistant coaches. It's like, you know, we've got to really hit it. And I remember the other day, uh, in his post-practice interview, he was talking about, you know, it was great coming back to the school where he played. It's like a second home to him, but it's about winning. It's about winning. That's the bottom line. And uh, that's the attitude that uh, I think everybody has. Um, Scott Frost, when he made the firing, said, you know, we're just going to tweak the offense a little bit. From what I've seen in the, in the spring and listening to coaches and stuff, it's more than tweak. I mean, they're making significant changes to the offense. And again, like I said, like we talked about earlier, my guess is Casey Thompson's probably going to be the quarterback. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's yeah. the most experienced one. I mean, he's had, he started 10 games, last 10 games and, and had three games with five touchdowns or more. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think, I mean, from what it seems like those post-practice interviews, um, it seems like Casey Thompson is kind of their pick. They, might, I don't know what they're going to do with Chuba, but um, it, it it'll it'll be interesting. I think Casey Thompson can it, the best run the Nebraska offense because he's the most like Adrian. I think out of the two, I, I know Chuba can run, um, but I think Casey is um, the the better runner. Um, then and and maybe thrower than Chubb. I haven't seen a lot of Chubb because he got injured um, pretty early on in his uh, career at Florida State. But uh, yeah, ooh, maybe one or two more questions here. We don't want to take up all your time. But uh, I was what, what's your what is your favorite uh, like Nebraska football moment um, that that you've been alive for? Um, since I've been a reporter, my favorite moment was was remains. The 1978 Oklahoma game. It was, <laughs> yes, my, yes. it was my first year at the newspaper. Um, 
I, you know, because I grew up a Husker fan, it was always Oklahoma, Nebraska, Oklahoma. And that was like one versus four. It was just everything, you know, it's like, here I am sitting on the 50 yard line in the press box. I'm doing what I love to do. Um, and it's Nebraska, Oklahoma, Nebraska pulls the upset. Um, 17, 14, and then let's don't talk about the Missouri game the next week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. We'll we'll hit, do another podcast just on those two games. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Will, Will doesn't know this, but uh, uh, we were beat up in that 78 Oklahoma-Nebraska game, and that was Tom Osborne's first win over Barry Switzer yes. and, and mm-hmm. Oklahoma. Yep. And uh, so the next week, we start off um, – uh, Rick Burns runs about 80 yards for a touchdown. We're thinking, yeah, we're going to get this Missouri team. Yep. Uh, that may have been the last lead we had all afternoon, and, and we were beat up. And uh, long story short, we're headed home after the game, uh, my buddy and I, and we hear uh, this is before BCS and all these other the way the bowls are selected, uh, that we were going to have a rematch with uh, Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl. And we went it's like somebody just popped a balloon and every bit of air just went out of that. It's like, okay, you lose to Missouri and now you got to go play the number one rank or whatever they were at the end of the season. Uh, you got to, <coughs> excuse me, face Oklahoma again. It's like, Oh yeah. So, yeah. I think, I think Penn state got the national championship that year. Right? Or was it Alabama? I think, it was, I, I think it was Alabama beat Penn State. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, 89 yards Burns touchdown on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I thought the same thing. I thought, well, this is going to be ugly. And it was. Um, <laughs> Wilder scored four touchdowns, and Phil Bradley was just – they just couldn't uh, couldn't handle him. But, yeah, like I was, said, they were beat up from that Oklahoma game. That was a yeah. very physical game. Oklahoma fumbled nine times and lost six. Um. And uh, there was that controversial play where uh, John Rude hit uh, oh. Kelly on the punt return. You know what? Uh, somebody pointed this out to me, and I've watched that. Kelly Phillips, Kelly Phelps, who's a backup quarterback for the Sooners, <laughs> he gets the ball uh, and he runs on the west sideline, and then he he darts back toward you know toward the center or. or turn left there and that's when John Rude just pasted he tattooed him I it's like uh, Wiley Coyote and uh you know oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the road runner you know, anvil drops on him but what somebody told me says well that that play that I mean it should have been when you watch the game it should have been Husker ball and we would have the game would have been completely put out of reach Nebraska was playing very well but somebody pointed out to me uh, Mike, that uh, Kelly stepped out of bounds when he was returning the uh, the kickoff, and so that rendered that whole thing, you know, moot. Uh, and I I've looked at that. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at that, Mike, but he is awfully close to that. And I I don't still don't know what the ruling was on that. That did they say that he was out of bounds? Was that the reason or? What was it? Well, I think they ruled. They just ruled it wasn't a fumble or something. I, that's what irritated everybody. But who knows? I mean, I, I haven't looked at it in a while. I wonder now if targeting had been in in effect. Oh yeah. Where John, because Kelly Phelps suffered a shoulder separation on that play. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, it was it was a it was a, you know, it was a crazy hit. Um, but you know, uh, one one thing I'll say about the Nebraska Oklahoma rivalry, which was, again, that was why that game is remains my favorite ever, and my favorite place to go on the road, other than necessarily bowl games, was Oklahoma, because there, at the time, at that time when Switzer was coach, there was really a, a decent connection between yes. those programs that yep. that people didn't see on the outside. You know that uh, Oklahoma was always. Like I always uh, say that uh, whenever I went down there, like we'd go down maybe uh, three or four days before the game when they played in Norman and write stories for the newspaper. And I got to do that a couple of times. And Switzer always called me by my first name. I mean, it wasn't my, it wasn't my name. He called me Bob, but. Uh, 
he always, you know, he, he was that, he was that, uh, he was that cordial. And you had access, you could go in the locker room and talk to players, whatever. I mean, they were, that was very good. And I, and I know that Osborne and Switzer talked on a regular basis on the phone. Um, but people always saw that rivalry and they thought it was, it went beyond that. And I remember the time that uh, Switzer came on the TV set about the show and gave him the taco um, before indicating that Nebraska was going to end up going to the uh, Sun Bowl and Oklahoma yeah. was going to the Orange Bowl. And that's what happened. <laughs> Uh, you know that, wow. that book that uh, that you co-authored uh, about Devaney. There are some fantastic stories in there. And I, I one of the questions I was going to ask you is how did I mean Virgil was was one of them and uh, Randy York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, how how was that? How did you? I mean, it's like having four chefs in the in the kitchen. How do you, how did that? I, I would think that'd be challenging just to blend four. Okay, so here's the here's the short version of that. First of all, Don Bryan asked us if we would be interested in doing it. We said yes, because uh, Bob wanted to do it. The second thing was we were each given sections to do. And those sections were based on interviews that we did with Bob. Uh -huh. We recorded, we had the interviews transcribed, and then basically we took those sections, the transcriptions, and we put, each of us had the section and we put it together that way. So it was supposed to be essentially a transcription of what Bob said. So when the subject of, for example, of Dan Devine came up, yep. Bob was real honest about Dan Devine. And then he said, but in the book, we're going to say he was a great guy. And a great <laughs> guy. You know, that was about three or four times we had those kind of situations. And Bob said, I want this book to read just like I talk. Yep. Okay. And we're self-publishing this book. Some of the publishers up in Michigan somewhere. So we get down to the last, we go through the last proof and Bob has to look at it. It's on a Friday night and I'm at home and I get a phone call from Virgil and he says, you got to come down here. Randy's coming down. We got a problem. <laughs> and what's the problem? Well, we let Bob take a look at it. And he said, this reads too much like I talk. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Virgil said, well, Bob, that's what you told us you wanted. And he said, I don't care what I told you. This is not, we're not going to, you're either going to change this thing or we're not going to have a book. Wow. So our solution was we changed one chapter, gave it to him, take a look at it. Yeah, that's fine. Off we went. Oh my! So it was a great experience, and I, you know how your memory clouds up, and you remember things in a different way. Yeah, I remember at least once. At least once, I remember more than that, but I, I'm sure once it happened. We went to Bob's house to do the interviews, and we went down in his basement, and he was watching Hogan's Heroes, and we had to wait until Hogan's Heroes was <laughs> before we start doing the interview, and then his wife brought down a bunch of cookies uh, for us to eat while we were, while we were down there. And I, I had this image of sitting in Bob Devaney's basement, watching Hogan's heroes and <laughs> chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> but yeah, that was it. I mean, it was basically, I still have all the transcriptions, the transcribed uh, stuff. And we didn't, we didn't do it word for word. We, we kind of worked it in uh, our sections, but, I've got all that stuff. I didn't, I can't, I have a hard time throwing things away. Yeah. 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 That's a great, that's a great story. I, and I, I think you had shared that with me a couple of years ago when you and I were talking about the fanny. Oh, that's you know what we, we printed, we, we were told that it, that sales would last probably for after the first year it would go down markedly or whatever. And I forget how many, they said if you if you sell ten thousand, that's great. You know that is incredible. We sold over twenty five thousand copies of that book because Bob was willing to go anywhere to sign him. He went out west in the western part of the state. Oh wow! He went. I remember sitting with him at one book signing at Nebraska Book, and uh, 
you know, people would come up and he'd sign it and, and give them the book. And I remember one time he signed it upside down and, <laughs> and uh, I said, hey, Bob, that's uh, upside down there and then expletive. And he shoved the book away and signed the right side up. For the, <laughs> bought it, but yeah, it was a, it was a quite a, quite a deal. That's crazy. Well, um, we, uh, I think we need to let Mike get on with his day, Will. Yeah. <laughs> maybe maybe have another podcast with Mike because I knew mm-hmm. there's so many stories that, that he has. And some of, you know, they're in, in his books, but still it's nice to hear them recanted by the guy who was there. That's. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That was great. Yeah. Awesome. Well, th- Mike, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, guys. I, I enjoyed it. Amen. Uh, yeah. And uh, again, big thanks to you guys uh, for listening. Uh, we've seen downloads uh, everywhere again. Uh, thank you for downloading last episode, especially with Grandpa's voice the way it was, sounding like my prepubescent teen voice. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, uh, and uh, yeah, again, this is this is your guys' show, not ours. Uh, we can't we can't have any success without you guys listening. So, thank you again, and uh, don't forget to leave a five star review and uh, tell your friends. Uh, if you're for some reason listening to this with two people on one phone, tell them to go subscribe on their own phone and uh, get some AirPods or something and just listen for yourself. Uh, but uh, well, with your credit community, listen, listen with your friends too. That's always fun. But uh, yeah. And then also email us questions uh, for upcoming interviews. I don't think we have one scheduled for next week yet, but um, we'd love to do a live show at some point. Uh, me and grandpa need to figure that out. So we'd love to get some questions from you guys. Um, during the live show as well we'll give you guys more details with that once we get it planned and then uh, yeah you can send those questions to wrswpodcast at gmail.com the wrsw podcast is all uh, one word Um, but yeah again thank you guys for listening and we will be back next week um, talking Xavier Betts uh, what went wrong there plus in Nebraska baseball and uh, we're gonna see if our final four picks pan out so yeah um, that's that's all we have for you guys today. Uh, again, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Go Big Red.